Cool. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to Isaiah 53, verse 4, Isaiah 53, verse 4, says, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was uh, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So this is a a very common verse that's used to to encourage us in in God's desire to heal. And really, it's it's a prophetic uh, declaration of the finished work of Christ on the cross. So when we look at this, we see, and when it says the word he, we can insert Jesus. Surely Jesus took our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered Jesus punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Jesus and by Jesus' wounds we are healed. Okay. So there is a, 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 a broad-scale kind of declaration of healing over God's people. But does this imply our spiritual or physical healing? And if physical, why then for some people and not for other people? And dealing with the topic of healing can be hard because it carries not just an intellectual and a theological kind of questioning to it, but also it has an emotional impact for a lot of people. So when we talk about God healing and His desire to heal and, and praying for healing over people, you know what, if you've got a headache and someone prays for you and their headache doesn't go, you go, okay, well, I'll have some Panadol then. Um, but when you're praying for somebody who has uh, a, a terminal illness, the impact of whether that works or it doesn't work is, is significant, isn't it? And so it very much carries an emotional attachment to it. So we need to answer the, you know, the theological question, well, what does the Bible say? But also we need to understand that, that emotionally it impacts us as well. So the verse given is, is hard to build a solid case for healing on because of the nature of the verse. So it's a prophetic declaration from the book of Isaiah. So, you know, hundreds of years before the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? It's a prophetic word. And, and really, we could apply that in lots of different ways. Is he talking spiritual, spiritual healing? Or is he talking physical healing? Is this uh, verse really declaring that? And so a lot of people would, um, would use this verse as the thing to say, no, no, we're, we're healed, we're already healed, we just need to believe in our healing. Um, for me personally, I wouldn't build a theology of healing based upon an Old Testament prophetic declaration of, uh, that, that we would then ascribe to Jesus today. Okay? And so I'm not saying it's not part of the process. But for me, I'm thinking, well, how can we know more surely what God's desire is when it comes to physical healing? So spiritual healing, emotional healing, but physical healing, how can we know what God's desire is? And what we need to do is we need to base our theology on Jesus. Okay? It's, it's, hard, it's, it's a lot easier to interpret rightly the life of Jesus. So the four biograph- biographies written of his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the Gospels, we see the life of Jesus recorded by people and we can see very clearly in the life of Jesus that healing was a, was a, a prominent part of his ministry. It's just what he did. 
So when we are broaching the topic of healing, it's important that we look at Jesus. And we, we can look outside of that. We can say, oh, okay, well, clearly, even in Isaiah, it was prophesied the kind of God he would be and the work he would accomplish. But Jesus' ministry was marked by physical healing. And Jesus preached a lot. Um, but I think it's in the book of John that it talks about where um, Jesus performed more miracles than could be recorded in the books of the day. So he preached a lot of words, but he performed a lot more miracles. And often when you see um, significant sermons that Jesus preached, it was often then um, proceeded by him going and healing people physically. So the proclamation of the gospel always came with a demonstration of the gospel. So the gospel being the good news, Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, and then he demonstrated the good news of the kingdom of God. So we are disciples of Jesus, and a disciple is one who is devoted to becoming like his master. Correct? Okay. So Jesus healed multitudes of people physically, a clear fulfillment of the Isaiah 53 prophecy. But the question is, well, why did Jesus heal lots of people? Was it just that there happened to be a lot of sick people in the day? You know, what was the purpose of it? And again, some people would say, well, no, Jesus did it to confirm his divinity. And even with John the Baptist, John the Baptist is in prison. I, Dave and I were talking about this during the week. John the Baptist is locked up in prison and he's asking, you know, is, is this the Messiah? He's already declared that this is, the, this is the Messiah, Jesus. And then John the Baptist gets arrested. He's put in prison and he sends his disciples to ask of Jesus, is, are you actually the one? Just checking. <laughs> um, and the answer that he gets back is, you know, do the, do the lame walk, do the blind see? Are you seeing that there's these miracles going on? Well, this is a clear confirmation of the nature of, of Christ. So it is, it is actually a, um, a confirmation of his divinity, that he was divine, that he was God himself. When Jesus says uh, he's confronted by I don't know, the, some of the religious leaders, when he's forgiven someone's sins, okay? Someone asks for healing and he's like, you're, by your faith, you know, you're healed, but I forgive you. You're forgiven. And they're like, well, you know, only God can forgive people. Um, and that's kind of the point of Jesus declaring who he is. So he forgives and then he heals. But there's a, there's a sign then that says, wow, Jesus carried a power for healing, a divine healing that confirmed who he was. But is that the only reason? Because again, some people would say, people actually in the church argue against um, the role of, of physical healing, an expectation that God would heal today. Okay? If that was the only reason why Jesus did it, then he wouldn't have told his disciples to do the same. If the only reason that Jesus performed miracles and physical healing for other people was to confirm his divinity, then he wouldn't have told his disciples to do it because they're not going around trying to prove that they're Jesus. Luke 10 verse 3 says, Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick in it and declare the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
And this, again, is a revelation of the kingdom of God coming near to people, was that there was signs and wonders and healings and miraculous things going on. Because the kingdom of God is not just a spiritual reality that we enter into when we die. It is a very present reality today. So Jesus healed the sick. Jesus commanded his 12 disciples to heal the sick. Jesus commanded the 72 to heal the sick. And Jesus told us in Matthew 28 to obey his commands. So as disciples, we must obey the command to heal the sick. Would you agree? All right. Just checking that we're tracking. And again, he commands them to heal the sick. He doesn't go, go and pray for the sick. Go and comfort the sick. No, go and heal them. Go do it. And again, I know for me early on, I, I never, I didn't always, as, as a Christian, kind of believe that, you know, God would heal today. But then the idea that, well, if I pray that he might heal, okay, well, that was, that was I could handle that. Um, but the fact that, no, no, you go and do it, okay, well, that's a whole nother story. But that's the reality is that Jesus commanded us to go and do the work. He has released that authority and that mantle for us to go and do it. So when we pray, we don't ask God to do something. We declare it to be done. We speak it into being because we're under the authority of Jesus and he has the authority to heal. So as one under his authority, we can walk in that authority. In the same way that uh, if, if someone walks up to you on the street and, uh, and they don't like what you're doing and they say, you're under arrest. And you'd say, no, I'm not. Go away, you strange person. <laughs> but if they had a uniform on and a badge and they, had, they were under the authority to say, you're under arrest, then you say, okay, I, I, I get it. You know? So one who is under authority has the ability to act on behalf of another. Okay? So a police officer, they're not acting on their own authority. They're acting on, on the authority of the government. So there's a governing authoritative body that is releasing them to go and do it. Okay? But a police officer, when you get, if you get pulled over and you've, been, and you've been drink driving, they don't ring up the prime minister and say, oh, look, I just need to ask you, I've got this guy, he's blown you know, over 0.05, uh, what should I do? Um, can you come down and arrest this person for me? No, because they're under delegated authority. So they, they behave under someone else's authority. Yeah. So you are under the authority of Jesus. So guess what? You can do what he did. So our mandate from Jesus is to do what he told us to do. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the kingdom of god is here and it's not just a spiritual reality it's a tangible one and so i think for some you know the kingdom of god is viewed just purely in a spiritual way so preach the good news to the poor what they what people would then say okay well it's to the poor in spirit or to heal the sick or it's, it's to heal those who are wounded you know emotionally we need to do those sorts of things you know, the blind, oh, well, it's talking about the spiritually blind, those who can't see God, we need to pray for them. And absolutely, it is all of those things, but it is also in the physical, the reality to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That's part of the natural everyday ministry of a Christian. That's what we're called to walk in. That's what we're designed to walk in. That's the authority that we have as believers.
So the struggle then that we face, so the first step is we need to understand who we are and what we've been called to do, okay? Then we've actually got to go out and do it. So that's step two. An important step is a thing called obedience, yeah? How many people prayed for a sick person this week? Yeah, a couple, awesome. Now, I'm not putting it on if you didn't, like a Christian, but, but sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I didn't actually, I saw lots of sick people this week. I can think of someone walking into the shops and I see someone on crutches and I'm like, oh, oh this passed now. <sighs> I made it, made it pass without, you know, too much Holy Spirit conviction. But it's a reality. We, we walk around every day and people ask the question, well, well, if you can heal, why don't you pray for every person? It's like, well, it's actually got nothing to do with whether or not God's going to heal. It's got everything to do with my own heart and my own fear and my own sense that, and, and disbelief that he will. So the struggle that we face is obviously being obedient to the commands of Jesus, but also then, well, what happens when it doesn't turn out for us the way that it did for Jesus? Because, I mean, I guess what, from what we know from the people that he prayed for, he got 100% results, okay? I would, I would question possibly there was a time when he went into his own hometown and it says that he couldn't perform any miracles there because of their lack of faith, Okay. Now, the question is, did he therefore not perform lots of miracles or did he try and, the, and it didn't come about? Who knows? But I think really when we look at the life of Jesus, there was a pretty good success rate for prayer and healing. Would you say? So you, we pray for someone's healing and they don't get healed. And for some of us, that creates this unbearable tension between what should be and what is. So if our theology says that God heals and our experience tells us that He doesn't, then there is a natural desire to want to reconcile these two things, to reconcile our theology with our experience. So the technical word for this is cognitive dissonance, where what we think we know about something, um, our experience is the opposite of that. So I can read in the Bible, well, God says, go and heal the sick. Okay, well, I'll go and pray for someone who is sick. They don't get healed. Okay, what do I do? Either my experience is wrong or the Bible's wrong. And there's then this sense, well, I have to reconcile this. I can't live in this tension. I need to, to try and figure out what's going on because I don't like to live in mystery. So I understand the need for this, but I don't believe it's imperative for us. We don't have to reconcile these two things. And I believe in most part, it's a reflection of our kind of Western, highly intellectual way of thinking. Okay, um, Western culture, Greek thinking culture, doesn't like mystery. There's a sense of almost like, well, no, we can be known, we can figure it out, there must be an answer, there must be an explanation, and, and surely, by now, in this day and age, in 2016, what can be known must be known. And so to live in a place of mystery, is almost, it seems a little foolish. When it says, well, the Bible says heal the sick, I go and pray for the sick, they don't get healed. Well, I can't just keep believing that, that clearly there's something wrong. I've misread it. Oh, it must just mean spiritual healing. It must, there must be some way to, to alter my, you know, a clear reading of the Scriptures to mean something different, okay? Because my experience is different and I, and I, I can't handle that. And so the danger of this need to reconcile our theology with our experiences because most of us has been brought up in a culture where we don't necessarily, we're not trained to obey God's Word. We're taught the Word of God. 
We're taught the Bible. We're taught what God says. We're taught the commands of Jesus. We know all of the things that we're supposed to do, but we're not taught to obey them. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Okay? So we can think of that, oh, teaching them everything that Jesus commanded. So we, every Sunday we open up the Bible and someone preaches to you. you know, if you've been a Christian for a year, that's 52 Sundays. If you, if you go every Sunday, it's, that's, you know, that's 52 weeks. So if you've been a Christian for 10 years, how many sermons is that? 520 sermons that you've sat through. Okay? That's a lot of hours of teaching on the Bible. Okay? Do you obey everything that you know? Do you obey everything that you've ever learned from the Bible? No, we don't. But even in the moment that you were taught it, were you taught to obey it? Do you understand that, that, that slight difference in understanding is that if, if I say, um, go and heal the sick, well, that's, that's teaching you what you're commanded to do. If I then come with me and we're going to go and heal some sick people and we're going to actually put it into practice so it becomes something that you're naturally walking in obedience to. Okay? So this is the role of discipleship in the church, which has been lost in, in, a, in a lot of environments. We don't understand discipleship. Discipleship is not learning all of the things about the person. The discipleship is becoming like that person, which involves obedience. So Jesus didn't just go about healing people. He then got his disciples together and he released them and he sent them out. He said, go and do the same things that I do. And they did and they were amazed. So we don't live in a culture of obedience. We live in a culture of learning. Okay, Western culture is big on learning lots of stuff, knowing all of the things, but it doesn't carry the same weight of actually going and obeying everything that we learn. We know far more than we do. And so therefore, the natural tendency is to shift our theological perspective on something rather than to press in and pursue the experience. So if we read, Jesus tells to heal the sick, I pray for some that don't get sick, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what is going on here, but I'm not going to change this to match this. I'm going to change this to match this, okay? Because one of these two is true, okay? And I'm going to, for the time being, believe that what is written in the Bible, in the life of Jesus, of what he did and what he commanded me to do, I'm going to believe that that's true and there's something amiss in my experience and I'm going to keep pursuing until that comes about. And you hear stories of even modern day people who see incredible miracles and almost 100% success rates. So someone like Heidi Baker, you know, when she first got this call um, to, to go to Mozambique and this amazing encounter with the power of God, and she would pray and pray. And I think she prayed for sick people for a year and saw nothing. That's a long time. This is every day. And in, and in places, you know, what, what, what Dave shared, you know, horrific kind of places to be in and horrific suffering. And you're praying every single day and you're seeing nothing for a year. Now, that takes some faith to pursue and to press through. Okay? But then after that year, all of a sudden, things started breaking open. And now, when they go out to a remote village and they call the deaf forward and the blind forward, it's like a 100% success rate. Success rate. But 100% of people get healed. That's their evangelism technique. They go into a, into a, 
village and they call forth the deaf, deaf people. So everyone in that village knows that person cannot hear or that person cannot see. They pray, they demonstrate the power of God. And the people are like, okay, we want to know more. But it took time to get to that place. So Jesus says, heal the sick, and we pray a couple of times and it doesn't happen. Or maybe we don't try it all and we base our experience on the experience of others. And then people come to the conclusion that maybe that command is not for us. So my theology says this, my experience says this, therefore my theology must be wrong. And it's not hard to find someone and people to agree with you. People say, oh, well, the gifts, they were just for then, for the early church, they were just for Jesus, they were just for the, you know, the first apostles. That's just what they did, um, but we don't need that anymore, okay? We don't do that anymore. God doesn't move in the same way, okay? Nonsense. So if our theology says that God doesn't heal or sometimes heal or providentially heals, then it will be normal, it will be normal for us to pray lacking faith. To not persevere in prayer or sometimes to not pray at all. And it's important, I think, that when we do pray for people, we're wanting to demonstrate the love of God. Because again, Jesus wasn't, he was concerned and he had compassion on their sickness and their place of hardship. But most of all, he wanted them to know and encounter the Father's love. So again, I think sometimes we can make it almost like a party trick and we'll go out and we'll, we'll try the party trick on people and see if God does something fun and cool in their life. But if, when we're motivated by love, all of a sudden, a lot of the barriers that can be there all of a sudden fall away because it's like, I love you so much that I just want to see you well. And Jesus prayed for multitudes of people that didn't become Christians. They didn't follow him. So he wasn't even about, well, I've got, to, I've got to declare, I have to tell them about me, I have to do something. It's just like, no, be healed, be healed, be healed. And they went away healed, potentially never following him again. And it's interesting, I, I, I can almost guarantee that for each one of us here, the number of people that we've seen miraculously healed is in some way proportional to the number of people that we've prayed for. So I can guarantee a 100% foul rate for you when it comes to physical healing, and that is to never pray for anybody. Okay. And we do sometimes, I think, well, I don't know because I've never actually tried it. I've never actually stepped out. Or maybe I've done it once or twice. And too much of me can get in the way. So I think it's important that we learn to live in this mystery, in this place of, and it's not just when it comes to physical healing, a whole lot of stuff that's written in the Bible, miraculous things, stories of provision, where God says, you know what, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to cover your needs to seek first my kingdom and righteousness. That means that there's, there's potentially going to be a time where it's not going to turn out the way that I expected it to turn out. That prophetic word is not going to come about in the way that I expected it to. But I'm not going to then reconcile and say, oh, okay, well, I must have heard wrong or that must not be wrong or that must have been for another time. I'm going to go, no, well, I'm going to press in, God, and keep trusting you, even when my experience isn't the same. So I think it's important that we live in this paradox of the kingdom, to explore the things of the kingdom and not come into agreement with faithlessness. So faith has to do with unseen things, yeah, unseen realms. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. For by the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things yet to be seen. So faith must is an, an incredibly important component in this because faith carries us through the unseen times. When we're not seeing the manifestation of, of the word of God in our lives. So faith carries us through and it gives us a hope and it gives us a conviction. Okay, So hope is, is a joyful expectation of that outcome coming to pass. And conviction is that thing, is that inward thing that says, you know what, regardless of the outcome, I'm believing this and I'm moving forward. And I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying until I see that fruit come about. Hebrews 11:6. and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So even in the kingdom of God, there's a rewarding that comes from seeking. And I love it when there's, I think when, particularly when there's a call that requires faith, there's things that Jesus commands us to do that we can do in the natural and we can do it's like, I do it and we just know it's going to happen. Okay, but there's things that require greater amounts of faith. And in that journey, it's a working with God to, to expose your heart, to expose his heart in that process. I can imagine that if actually, if I'd have said, go and heal the sick, and you went started praying 100% for every single person, and your heart is not able to carry that kind of power and authority, I reckon it would be dangerous for people. That would, you know, the people would start to manipulate that and start to use it for their own gain. So there's something in the, in the mystery and the engagement with God and a growing in intimacy, okay, that comes out of that pursuit. So it's not just about the physical healing of the person, it's actually about the transformation of your own heart in the process. Is it just nice and... Everyone just seems cosy. Nice and warm. <laughs> so it's important that our obedience isn't based on our understanding, but on our hearing. Often we want all of the information before we step out of the boat. You know, Peter and Jesus. Peter, he didn't wait for confirmation before he stepped out of the boat. When Jesus comes to them on the boat and he says, come to me, he didn't wait for confirmation. He didn't, you know, um, he didn't weigh up the pros and cons. He didn't form a committee and say, hey guys, what do you think? Do you think this is a good idea? Jesus, he's walking on water. He's called me out to walk on the water. What do you think I should do? You know, he just, he heard and he obeyed. He went. Now, and again, to understand, he was a fisherman, okay? So he spent all of his day out on the water. And I'm, I'm pretty sure up until that point, he, he would have known pretty clearly people cannot walk on water, okay? As a fisherman, he knew more so. It's not like he'd never seen water before. He knew that that wasn't a possibility. But he heard the words of Jesus and he obeyed. So he's not thinking about the, the foolishness of what he's doing. He's not thinking about the outcome of what he's doing. He's hearing what, is, what Jesus is saying and he's obeying his command. I love the simplicity of that. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a hearing and obeying people. Hear and obey, hear and obey. And as I said before, he never told us to pray for the sick. He told us to heal the sick. 
And sometimes we pray for God to do the work that he's given us to do. We are co-laborers with Christ. God has always been about co-laboring. It started in the garden with a mandate for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. There was a co-laboring with God in that process. So we're not doing a new work. Everything for someone's healing was accomplished on the cross. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that accomplishes the work. But we are co-laboring with God in that process to release the very resurrection power of Christ over people's lives. We have access to the same things that Jesus had access to because the same Spirit that was with Him resides in us. So if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then surely nothing is lacking in God's ability to heal through you. You know, I think about how many people haven't been healed because I haven't prayed for them. You got to wonder how many people I've walked past. And that's the thing for me. I'm like, you know, if I knew 100% that I prayed for that person, they would get healed, I'd do it. But I'm waiting for that, you know, to happen. I'm waiting for the knowing. But how do I know? Maybe, maybe God would start healing a, a multitude more people if I started praying for more people. But I'll never know because I'm too scared to try. So is it God's desire to heal? Well, Jesus healed everyone that was brought to him. He never blessed a person's sickness. We could say, oh, well, it's, you know, God's teaching you something. I don't, I don't, we never have a record of Jesus affirming someone's sickness. No, no, well, you, you, you're supposed to be sick because God's disciplining you or teaching you something. Now, I think absolutely in the midst of every circumstance of life, whether in sickness or in health, God is present and He is working all things for your good and He has something to teach you. He has something to reveal to you. He has a, he has a, he's taking you through a process of sanctification. So God uses the good and the bad, but it's not His intent for sickness to be on the earth. So why doesn't everyone get healed? Well, first answer, I don't know. Second answer, <laughs> um, I think part of it is the now and the not yet of the kingdom. So the kingdom has come, but it's not fully come. Okay, when Jesus returns, the kingdom will come in all its fullness. And so all of the reality of the kingdom will overcome all of the reality of the old creation that currently exists. And there's a new heavens and a new earth. There's a new creation in its fullness. And we'll see the fullness of the kingdom. So clearly we see from the Bible that a time is coming when everything that Christ accomplished on the cross will be fully recognized on the earth. So in heaven there is no sickness, there's no pain or suffering or sin, but on the earth there is. So our responsibility is not to get people to heaven, but to get more of heaven to earth. And we don't make it happen, we just make it manifest. Don't decide for God what is now and what is not yet. Eagerly pursue the not yet. So again, some people would come to a place to say, well, clearly we're not seeing that, so that must be in the not yet of the kingdom. Well, we're not seeing everyone get healed when we pray for them, so that must be uh, clearly it's just the, the not yet of the kingdom. Well, the Bible doesn't say clearly what is the now and what is the not yet. So I'm saying, well, let's go and let's just believe that everything is for now. And God will determine what is the not yet. So I'm going to say, oh, well, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say not to do it. It says to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to believe that it's now. 
third possible answer is faith. So occasionally healing does not occur because of the absence of that sort of faith that God delights to honor. And this does not mean that every time a person isn't healed, it it is because of a defective faith, as if healing inevitably inevitably follows this kind of robust, you know, doubt-free faith. Jesus does declare that there were times when people, by your faith, you have been healed. So there is a a connection with that. It does mean that faith is very important. How can we conclude otherwise in the view of the many texts that closely link healing to someone's faith? So Matthew 9.22, Matthew 9.28-29, Matthew 15.28, Mark 2.5, Mark 11, Mark 5.34, Mark 9.17-24, Mark 10.52, Luke 17.19, Acts 3.16, Acts 14.8-10, James 5.14-16, just to name a few. Okay. That link faith and healing together. Okay. Now I've prayed for people who, are, who have, from what I understand, no faith, non-Christians. I've actually probably seen more non-Christians healed than Christians that I've prayed for. But I've had people that have no, I'm just like, oh, what's going on? That I, remember, I remember a lady, she was at the Salvation Army over here and she was just waiting for, to get a food parcel. And uh, her and her son were there and um, yeah, when she, when she got up, she just had really, really bad hip pain. And she came out and I was like, oh, can I, I that's right, I, I somehow got in contact and I was, I'd bought a pair of headphones for a son for Christmas. I didn't know, even know this lady, but just through different kind of connections. And so I asked to pray for her. And, uh, and so I just put my hand on her shoulder, prayed for the, for the pain to go. And I was like, how are you feeling? She's like, it's all, it's all tingling. And she's like, oh, I can move. And she's like fully just starts doing kind of this kind of dance. And like she was like so amazingly kind of stoked and happy. Um, but she didn't, she, it wasn't because of her faith. It was probably because of my faith, my expectation that God would heal. I know another time... Um, Praying for a lady, got a call, um, uh, and a lady was in incredible back pain. So literally to the point, I don't know if you've ever been in that much pain where it's like hard to breathe. And so she was kind of, you know, crouched down on her couch, and, uh, and me and another guy went over there, and we're just talking to her. And so this is, I've told stories uh, about the guy, Nick Wynn. I know you guys know Nick. And, um, and so he was, because of the organization, a secular organization he was working for, he didn't feel comfortable just to go, hey, can we pray for your healing? Because he thought if she didn't like that, he could get in trouble or whatever. So he brought me along and he's thinking, well, Brad can ask her. And then, because then if she gets, you know, uh, annoyed or whatever, then I can just blame Brad. And, um, and so we're sitting there and we're, and we're, we're talking through it. So eventually I said, well, have you, have you tried prayer? Like, and, and so we asked if we could pray for her. And so she was sitting on the couch and, and she, was, she, she was struggling to talk to her. She was in that much pain. So we just started praying and then eventually like she could like kind of stand up. She was hunched over like this and we just prayed a few times and it got to the point where the pain completely left her body just through prayer. And again, I don't know, you know, we left details with her and, and she never got in contact. It's not like, you know, she doesn't, didn't come to the church or whatever, but God showed up miraculously. But even in that circumstance, it wasn't her faith or her expectation, it was ours. Number four would be unconfessed sin. Sometimes healing does not occur because of the presence of sin for which there has been no confession or repentance. James 5, 15 to 16 clearly instructs us to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. And again, please do not conclude from this that each time a person isn't healed, it is because he or she has committed uh, some sort of sin and not repented. But in some cases, this is true. 
So even for Jesus in his ministry, he would say, your sins are being forgiven. Get up and walk. Okay? So there was, a, there was a, a, a correlation with that. For some people, it's because of sinful choices, unrepented sinful choices that they've made that has actually invited even demonic oppression to come into their life. And the pain is associated with that. I've heard stories and I've prayed for people that have, they might have pain in their shoulder and you start praying for the pain in their shoulder and then it moves to their lower back. So you start praying for the lower back, then it moves to their knee. And that's a sign that says, okay, this is, this is demonic. Okay, it's a spirit that's causing the pain. Okay, and that spirit may be present because of that person's sin. So they need to go through a process of repentance, um, and, and forgiveness in, in prayer ministry, you know, with the larger house stuff. Sometimes that happens where people, the, the ailments that they're suffering from in life is a result of, it could be trauma, unhealed um, trauma in their life. It could be, un, you know, errors of sin and judgments and all of this sort of stuff that goes on. Unforgiveness, yeah, big one. Uh, sometimes the lack of desire. So odd as it may sound, healing may not happen because the sick don't want it to happen. Jesus asked the paralyzed man in John 5, 6, do you want to be healed? So what on the surface may appear to be a ridiculous question, on further examination it's found to be profoundly insightful. Some people who suffer from a chronic affliction become accustomed to their illness and to the pattern of life it requires. Their identity is to a large extent wrapped up in their physical disability. So some people on the surface are like, yes, I want that, but actually deeper down, it's become their ability to be sick. And so actually there's something even within their own will that wars against that ability to heal. It can be a lack of prayer. At James 4.2, we're told you do not have because you do not ask. The simple fact is that some are not healed because they do not pray. Or perhaps they pray once or twice and allow discouragement to paralyze their petitions. Prayer for healing must be prolonged, sustained, persevering, and combined sometimes with fasting. It's a lack of prayer. Number seven, demonic influences that aren't addressed. As I said before, sometimes it can be a demonic influence on that person's life, whether as an oppression or repossession internally. Divine providence. So we must also consider the mystery of divine providence. So God doing things that he wants to do in his timing, and it's just up to him. It's a mystery. So there are undoubtedly times and seasons in the purposes of God during which his healing power is withdrawn or at least largely diminished. So God may have any number of reasons for this to which we are not privy, whether to discipline a wayward and rebellious church or to create a greater desperation for his power or to wean us off excessive dependence on physical comfort, comfort and convenience or any number of these possibilities. So again, sometimes God will, will, will draw back from a situation to allow things to manifest and come to a place that then people have, have recognition and revelation so we can then come in. Number nine is a better thing. Some, uh, oftentimes there are dimensions of spiritual growth and moral development and increase in the knowledge of God in us that He desires more than our physical health experience sorry experiences that in his wisdom he has determined can only be attained by means or in the midst of or in response to less than perfect physical health so sometimes you might be in a place of physical ailment and god's like 
I'm working in the midst of this place. It's not saying he caused it, but he's saying, I'm going to leave you in this place because all of a sudden you've come into a place of dependency and openness and awareness that I can do a far greater spiritual and emotional and a heart ministry journey with you because of the place that you're in. Who's ever been in really bad pain? You're crying out to God. <laughs> it's in those places of desperation and it creates an opportunity for intimacy that would not exist otherwise. When we're living in worldly comforts, sometimes we don't cry out to God with the same desperation. And the Lord knows, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you, but I'm going to leave you there for now in order to do a greater work. Because again, we're patterned in Western culture to, to love comfort so much. We just love comfort, <laughs> but that's not necessarily a, a, a biblical thing that we must stay in there because God has a greater work to do. So I want to encourage you this week to pray for someone who needs physical healing and remember that our role is to love and to be obedient and to trust God to release the power, the healing power through the Holy Spirit. So our goal is to love primarily. That's who we are. We are lovers of God and lovers of others. So focus on falling in love with humanity. And when our love is big, then our actions will follow that love. That's the thing for me I want when I walk through the shops. It's not like, oh, that'd be cool to see him healed. It's be like, man, my, my love for that complete stranger so overwhelms me that I have to do something about their situation. I have to let them know that there's a God who loves them and there's a God who cares about their situation. So I'm going to give you some practical tips Yeah, so I'm teaching you to obey. <laughs> so, practically, if you see someone who needs physical healing, just be bold and ask them a few questions. Then you might see someone in crutches, or you might get even a word of knowledge. God might say to you, that person has this ailment. And if you feel God point someone out and, and give you a thing, just go and start talking to them. Yeah, it's really simple. Hey, how you doing? Um, I, I see you're on crutches. Oh, wh what have you done? Oh, you know, I fell off my motorbike and blah, blah. Oh, did you, what sort of injury do you have? Right, right. You're just asking questions. Are you in pain now? Yeah, you know, it's really, really bad. Okay. So number one, say hello. Tell them what you notice and ask them about the injury or the ailment. Find out what it is. It could just be a fancy dress costume. So tell them that you're a Christian and you believe that God heals people and ask them if you can pray for God to do a miracle in their life today. So just say, hey, you know what? I, I see the thing, you, you've, you've broken your leg. Look, I'm a Christian. I, I, just, I believe that God heals. And I would love just the opportunity to, to pray for you to see if God would heal your leg. Okay? So you're not saying we're not coming with determinations. This is going to happen. We can know in us, you know, God, I, I believe you're absolutely going to do this. But you're just having an opportunity. Hey, I'd love to see if, if God would, would do this for you. So if they say yes, you know, ask them if you can put your hand on the area. So if it's a knee, they've got knee pain, ask if you can put your hand on that area. If, and obviously, if it's an appropriate part of, of the body, um, then do that. If not, just ask if you can put your hand on the shoulder. If they say no, stand back. Sometimes you ask people, oh, can I pray for you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And they go to walk away. No, I mean now. Oh, now. Okay. That's different, but um, just ask them. So just, if not, just put your hand on their shoulder or something like that. Hold their hand. So it's good to sometimes explain to the person what they might experience in that so they can give you some indication of what God's doing and be looking out for it. So to say, hey, as I'm praying, you might feel like heat in that area. You might feel tingling in your body. You might feel the pain start to go. And, and just to let you know that those things are happening. Next thing is, um, I, I love to start by declaring the goodness of God and the love of God and His desire to heal. 
Okay, this is an opportunity when we're praying for someone to, to declare the goodness of God, to proclaim the gospel to them. Okay, and we're not just, we're not being sneaky with that, but we really, we really want them to understand that even if they walk away without the expected result, they would know the love of God and the love of God in somebody that would spend the time to reach out and connect with them. Okay, so I've had people and, and they've, I remember when I bought a, yeah, bought a chair of someone of Gumtree and, and prayed for this guy and, and he had really bad back pain and, it, and he didn't get healed miraculously in that moment. But I remember him saying, yeah, I was just listening to the words that you were saying. You know, and that was what really ministered to this guy. And the, it, he wasn't particularly a hard person, but this, the softness that came out afterwards, after I'd prayed, it was just like, it was just like a, yeah, a connectedness there because he, he heard the words of the love of God being prayed over him. And that's important. So when we pray, command healing over the need, whatever the need might be. And again, when you do that investigation, ask them, it's good to be specific as to what it is. So say, oh, I've just got a sore knee. Well, what's the, do you know what the problem is? Oh, okay, well, I did my ACL or I have arthritis or I did something. So we can pray specifically into that need. And as I say, command it to happen. Don't ask God. We're under the authority of Jesus. So pray in the name of Jesus. When we say, I just declare in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is in the authority of Jesus, in the character of Jesus, I declare this thing to happen. I, use, I like to use the words in the authority of Jesus. You know? And so it's, it's declaring, I'm not, this is not Brad Joss doing it. Okay, and this again is declaring to the person, it's the power of Jesus that's going to heal you, not the power of me. I'm not some sort of mystical healer. It's Jesus that's doing that is doing the work. It's His Holy Spirit. But command it to happen. Just, we just declare healing over this ankle in Jesus' name. I command all pain to leave. I command arthritis to go. And if you sense other things, you might sense an afflicting spirit. Then pray, pray that off the person. Command the pain to leave. If something is missing, you know, there might be, there could be missing a, you know, cartilage or something like that. Then pray for a creative miracle. Father God, we just pray that you would just release a creative miracle, that you would restore cartilage to this part of the body. And then once you have prayed, ask them how it is. Ask them if the pain is left. Ask them if they can test it out. Now, this is the hardest part of the process for me, okay? So once I, it's hard getting to that point of actually talking to a stranger, which I don't, I'm not big on, um, and then asking them if you can pray for them, and then praying for them, and then you've got that point, it was like, okay, bless you, you know, see ya, that's what I like to do. Because <laughs> um, now I'll just believe that they were healed miraculously. But to ask and say, so did anything happen? And then they say no, and they, okay. Um, but they might say, no, I didn't feel anything. Did you feel anything in your body? Oh, I just felt, I felt peace. Or I felt, you know, I've had people, oh, I felt weight lift off me or something. Or they might say, I felt a, I felt a bit of heat in my knee. Um, and, and ask them what the pain level is at. You know, if, if it went from a 10 down to an 8, they say, okay, well, something's happening here. And if there's a, a reduction in pain, then ask if you can pray again. So awesome, well, let's just pray and get it down to zero. And they might go from an 8 down to a 5. And they say, okay, well, let's pray again and just keep praying until if, you, if you're noticing that God is doing a work in that moment, keep going until he finishes the work. Yeah? Cool. Or if nothing has, has happened, if nothing happens and, you've, and you're really feeling, particularly if you get a word of knowledge about someone, if you get a word of knowledge that wouldn't be able to pick up in the natural, okay, that you just say, man, that person's got, 
you know, have got this issue going on, this back pain. They're sitting down, you can't see anything, and you go and talk to them. There's an indication that God, because he's given you that word of knowledge, that he wants to do the work there and then. Okay? There's, some, there's just something about that that seems to happen when you get a word of knowledge. But if not, so you're welcome to pray a couple of times. So miracles happen instantly, but healing can take time. So again, if they're not seeing anything in the moment, say, well, man, I, just, I bless you, and I just pray that God, yeah, really just heals you. And it might happen tonight, it might happen next week, um, but I'm just going to believe that God's going to heal you and bless them as they go. So don't be embarrassed if nothing happens in the moment. Trust that, you're in, that your prayer and your intent will be a blessing to the person. If they walk away still with a sore knee, but feeling and encountering the love and the goodness of God, they're far better off. I'd actually rather somebody not get healed and encounter God's love than walk away with a, with a perfect knee and go away never knowing God, you know. So there's something in that. And again, that when our intent is to love, then it will come across in our persona, it will come across in our prayer, it will come across in our intent for that person. It's like, I, I love you and I, and I want you to be healed. I want you to be free from this. But most of all, we want them to know the love of God. So we don't have to then get them to give their life to Jesus unless God de- directs you to. So you might be like, hey man, Jesus has healed you. And they might just be, man, that's amazing. And it's like, do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to know him as, as your Lord and Savior? And you, can, you might have that opportunity to pray for them. Or you might not, and they might go on their way. But the seeds of his goodness have been planted. The seeds of his love have been planted. Yeah? Awesome. All right, who has physical healing that they require in their body this morning? Put your hand up. One, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Okay, 15 people. So keep your hand raised and everyone else who doesn't have a physical ailment, you can go and stand next to them and you're going to pray for them. And we're going to walk through these steps. So make sure once somebody comes, put your hand up nice and high if you need healing. Yeah, stand up, might be easier if you can. Once, once someone comes and puts their hand gently on your shoulder, put your arm, arm down. Okay, so keep your hand raised until somebody is there. So just might, you might have to pray for a couple of people. We'll, we'll do a couple of rounds maybe. All right, I'm going to pray and then you're just going to walk through, if you can remember the steps, um, find out what they need, declare healing and pray the love of God, all that sort of stuff. I'll pray first. So Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your desire to heal. Lord, we thank you for the demonstration of your life, Jesus, in which you healed people, Lord. And it is part of your kingdom, Lord. It is, it is something that we carry as we are under the authority of Christ. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would release an anointing for healing upon this community, Father. Increase that anointing right now, Father. I pray for a special impartation of a healing anointing upon us, Father. And Father, more than that healing anointing, Lord, I pray for an anointing of love to be upon us. God, that we would love so much that we would step out of our own comfort zone, Lord, and do something, Father, that challenges us and stretches us because we love so radically and so abundantly, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Start praying.